0: Hey, good morning, everybody! I'm so glad that you're here. It's great to be worshiping with you. By the way, like I'd put the offer out there to Roger to preach this morning, uh, and he actually preferred to help lead us in worship. So I'm very thankful for that because it was just so amazing to be worshiping with each and every one of you. Uh, you know, we're getting ready to to round out our Life to the Fullest series. We've been in this for a few weeks, uh, and this is our view into the disciples journey there's a lot of core longings that each of us have to belong to believe and to become and each week we've been addressing each one of these you know week one we had a little bit of context as far as what uh the disciples journey looks like and we're talking about life to the fullest you know when we talk about john 10, 10 the thief comes to kill and destroy but i've come to give you life abundantly or life To the fullest. So we're looking at that. And then we were looking at uh, belonging in week two, you know, what it looks like to be in Christ centered community. In week three, last week we were talking about believing and how we find ourselves in the larger story of Scripture, the big story. And today we're going to be looking at becoming, how we can live out what we have learned over these past couple of weeks, you know, and really being able to discover our purpose. Right? There's probably a lot of questions that each of us have, but what is our purpose? What on earth am I here for? What am I supposed to do? And so purpose, that's such a great word. I don't know if any of you actually think about that word, but for me it conjures up a lot of questions. You know, I think about the purpose of different things and uh, why some things happen. You know, what is this supposed to be all about? How is this supposed to work? But the purpose, purpose stirs up a lot of those things. You know, I got to pause and think about this time I was sitting around our kitchen table. Uh, we have a lot of great conversations around the kitchen table. And uh, my all of my girls are extremely inquisitive. They're very curious about things in life, but I want to hone in on my oldest, Malia. She's seven. She just started second grade and she, yeah, sorry, I had to, there was a delay there because i was like, what what grade is she in again? Yeah, second grade. She's in second grade, right, Lauren? Second grade? Okay, just make it sure. Thank you. Uh, but she asks a lot of great questions and she hit me with a doozy. She's like, Papa, why do butterflies orphan their babies? Like, isn't that a real sweet question to ask? For a seven-year-old, dang, that's right. I mean, you're talking about a seven-year-old who's asking such a profound question about the life cycle of a butterfly, and yet her question revealed a little bit about her heart. You know, her heart and desire to see things cared for and loved and taken care of. So, I, like, I didn't have a response in the moment, but it did get me thinking, like, why do butterflies lay their eggs on you know, leaves, and then potentially, you know, fly away and never come back to those eggs, you know? So the question, it had, you know, a a desire to seek some wisdom, but then it also revealed a little bit of her heart. Now, if you contrast that with all the the questions that I've asked throughout my entire lifetime, or let's just hone in on like the past decade or so, as I've been a follower of Christ, um, you know, we think about, random things. I know I do. So like I, again, around our dinner table, I've asked random stuff like, why do deli sandwiches get served with a pickle spear? And I know you're like, I honestly, I asked that out loud. And then I hit up Google and you, you would be surprised to find out it's intentional. Roger, it is intentional that they serve pickle spears with your deli sandwich. You know why? It's a palate cleanser. So, like, with every bite, you're supposed to take a bite of the pickle in between, and you're supposed to be able to taste the full spectrum of a sandwich, right? Now, I know those are, like, small, silly questions, but as I've grown in my faith, I've asked larger questions, you know, and that reveals a little bit more about um, my journey and where I was at and where I am at uh, as a disciple of Christ. But starting out, when I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, I would ask questions like, how could God love me? like that? How could he love me like that? Why, why am I supposed to be in worship? Why am I supposed to read my Bible? How am I supposed to read my Bible? Why am I supposed to pray? How am I supposed to pray? All of those questions, and I'm very thankful for the people that God has placed in my life to help me navigate a lot of those things and point me back to the reasons why, why we should be doing some of those things. Things. And, I, and again, I'm just extremely thankful for that. But as I've grown in my relationship with Christ, the questions that I've asked have changed, you know, based on different seasons and different things that have been going on. Uh, and not just those questions, but it, it you know, it, it reveals what God's stirring in me. But it also revealed some of the obstacles that I would face at the same time. Um, kind of rewind here. Some of you may or may not know, I spent 11 years in a career of graphic design and advertising. And graphic design, advertising, very fast-paced industry. Uh, it sometimes comes with very long hours, lots of work that you don't like doing. Uh, it's very subjective, too. You might present something to a client, and the client goes, yeah, I don't really like that. That's not cutting it. And, you know, you've kind of poured out a little bit of your own creativity there because it's such a personal expression of what you're trying to help solve for them. And so I would start asking questions like, God, you've made me creative. Why is this still so unfulfilling? Why is this so? God, in my busyness, is this the way that life is supposed to be? Is this always going to be like this? Am I always going to be exhausted and unfulfilled in this. You know, we're even thinking about um, obstacles like indecision and insecurities. These are all things that are revealed in and through a lot of these questions that I would ask God. Now, if I were to ask the world to answer some of these questions, and I have, it's left me more confused and with more questions in the end. And you think about, life is so unfulfilling, what am I supposed to do? American Dream would say, go out, get educated, get a job, climb the ladder of success, get married, buy a house, have kids, 1.5 or you know, 1.2, whatever the, the surveys might say, have a dog, and all of those things. Okay, so then when your job becomes unfulfilling, what else do you do? Well, do what you love. Love what you do. Kind of sounds like a a Pinterest pillow that might be, yeah, it does. It does sound like something you would see on Pinterest. And, uh, you know, a lot of the answers that we would find on Google or in the world, they, they might be quick fixes or solutions to some of the things that we are wrestling with, but they never seem to answer that question of what is my purpose? What on earth am I here for? What am I supposed to do? And I know some of you have wrestled with questions like these two. I've heard you express some of these questions in very difficult seasons of your life, and it shows that your heart is seeking and longing to find purpose. It also reveals some of the obstacles, some of the insecurities that you might be dealing with in life. And I want to encourage you today... You know, God has an answer specifically for that. What is our purpose? What on earth are we here for? And not only does he have an answer for that, he's got promises and plans and hopes for you that you can step into today. You know, the verse that we've been using is John 10.10. That's the foundation of this entire series. Remember? All right, so I said it a little bit ago. Were you paying attention? John 10.10. Somebody shout it out. steal and kill and destroy, but I have come to give you life and life to the fullest. All right. Thanks, everybody. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so that is the foundation for this entire series. I'm thankful that we've all been awake and that we're paying attention, but that's also the foundation for our mission statement. You've heard it, you know, throughout uh, the series, but if you've been here long enough, you would know that our mission is to help people experience life to the fullest in Christ. Actually, to do whatever it takes to help people experience life to the fullest in Christ. That is our mission. And that is us living out our faith intentionally and on purpose. You know, so that is the foundation for our mission. That is the foundation for the series that we've been working through. And, you know, we've been addressing these three foundational longings within our soul. So remember, we're talking about belonging you know, am I lovable? Is there a place for me? Where do I fit in? And God answers that with, yes, absolutely there is. He loves you. He loves you deeply and unconditionally. And he wants to see you involved in Christ-centered community. He wants you to be a part of his family, the church. So that's belonging. Believing, Is there a God? What happens after I die? How do I deal with all of these regrets and things that I have? And the answer that God has for that is what? I desire for you to be in a relationship with me. I've created you to know me and to know others and to live free and to live with me, with God, forever. So, we found ourselves in Christ-centered community, right? We're here, uh, we've you know, been growing in our relationship with God and with other people, so now what? Now what? We still haven't addressed this core question of what on earth am I here for? So if God has created us, and he loves us so much, and we're spending time in Christ-centered community, like in in a life group, and we're spending time every day in his word and praying, and we're in worship, what else can we do? How can we live with purpose. So I promise there's a purpose for all of the questions that I'm asking today. So you're gonna hear questions a lot. That means just take note. Uh, but the reason why I love good questions is because Jesus had experienced and used questions a ton, like ridiculous amount of questions. So in Scripture, Jesus is asked 108 questions. 108. Wow, that's right. 108 questions. How many of those questions do you think he addressed directly? (laughs) No. the, The numbers are all there, okay? Eight. He addressed eight. Maybe 10, depending on how you interpret the text, but eight. He addressed eight of them directly. So, let's look at the other part of this formula, right? How many questions did Jesus ask? 307 307 so we might find ourselves you know in life pursuing knowledge and you know questions are a good part of that pursuit so jesus is very familiar with receiving questions and asking questions you know he did this so that the people that were asking the questions would take the time to reflect on the heart of why they were actually asking those questions in the first place. His response would be, well, who do you say that I am? Do you believe, do you wanna get well? What does scripture say? You get the idea. So he's getting the audience, he's getting us to try and understand what obstacles, doubts, fears, insecurities, lack of clarity that we might have to the questions that we are asking. But here's the great thing, with every question Jesus is also extending an invitation for us to respond. He's inviting us to respond. And probably my favorite Q&A session with Jesus is found in Luke 10, starting in verse 25. So if you have your Bibles or your phone, I want to encourage you, you can open up, tap to there, or you can just follow along with uh, the passage on the screen. Uh, But to, to give you a little context here, Jesus is in a crowd. He's in a group of people. And if we start picking up in 25, start, starting with one day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Great question. If we were to ask that same one today, Jesus, what do I have to do to experience life to the fullest. So you can ask yourself that. Jesus, of course, responds with a question. Well, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? And the man who is trying to test Jesus responds and says, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. We call this the great commandment. There is no greater command than this. For us to follow to love the lord our god with all of our heart all of our soul our mind and our strength and to love our neighbor as ourself so jesus says great do this and you will live okay so the guy now goes well then who's my neighbor who is my neighbor and so he's asking this question one to try and justify his actions at the time but he's also genuinely curious. And so, like Jesus does in a great way of helping us learn more about the nature and character of God and how we can interact with others and grow in our knowledge of God, he uses a parable, which is just a story, okay? So we have the parable of the Good Samaritan. I'm sure all of you are fairly familiar with that. You've probably heard, like, attaboy, great job, way to be a good Samaritan. You did your deed, and you helped, you know, the, the person at the grocery store, do whatever. So Jesus talks about the good Samaritan here. You know, there uh, there is the story of a Jewish man traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and some bandits steal his clothes and all of his things and leave him half dead there on the side of the road. And so now you have a priest that happens to walk by and steps out of his way to avoid the man on the side of the road. You have a temple assistant or a Levite doing the same exact thing. It's not until the despised Samaritan, and I want you to like underline that or highlight that if you can, the despised Samaritan who had passed by this man who was dying on the side of the road, who saw something, it wasn't until then that he decided to take action and to help him Receive the care that he needed, and to take him to an inn. And so when he takes him to the inn, he gives the innkeeper a couple of silver coins and says, here, this should be enough. If it's not, next time I come back, I'm going to give you some more. I'll pay you whatever is due when I'm here. So then Jesus asks, after this parable, he asks, now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits. Well, obviously, the man who showed mercy, right? The man who showed mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. In this interaction, we're trying to, We're this man, and he's helping us try to figure out who our neighbor is, how to live out the great commandment to love God and love people. And it's an invitation to respond in that for us. You see, the Jewish priest in this story, the Jewish priest who would have known Jewish culture and also by his role in profession should have been a person of compassion and wanting to help people. And yet he sidestepped the man who was dying on the side of the road because culture would say, if you touched this unclean, or excuse me, not this unclean man, this dead person, you would then become unclean. Temple assistant did the same thing because they understood the culture. But the despised Samaritan, this person who had a reputation about himself or this people group that had a reputation about themselves saw a need, met a need, and took this man to go get the care that he needed. To experience life to the fullest, you need to not just know God, You need to show God. We have this Jewish priest and this Levite or temple assistant who knew God, who knew God's law of love and yet neglected to show that love in the time of need. It wasn't until the Samaritan took care of that man. And to put it in another way, the Samaritan saw a need to meet a need. So if you see a need in your life, are you able to meet a need? Are we aware of the needs of those around us? Or are we going to be caught up? Are we going to allow ourselves to be people who are caught up in what the world has to say? Do we bend to the weight of the world? Or are we willing to bear the weight of the word? Do we bend to the weight of the world or are we willing to bear the weight of the word? You know, the Apostle Paul would remind us to not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. So, if we're belonging and we're believing, we are uh, connected in Christ-centered community, being life groups, and we are spending time in worship, and we're praying, and we're reading the Bible, and we're doing all this stuff, and we're connected, and we're growing in our knowledge, of all these things that God has planned for us and desires for us to do, then we should be able to live out our faith daily, using our gifts and our story to help advance God's mission. So what is God's mission? After Jesus had died, resurrected, right before he's getting ready to ascend back into heaven, He tells his disciples the great commission, which is to go into all the world, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey the things that I have taught you. See, we've got the great commandment and the great commission. These two things are central to us living out our faith daily. They are inseparable. You cannot do one without the other. Let me say it again. You can't do one without the other. And it's important that we remember this because it's God's plan and purpose for your life, your life, to love God, love the people around you, and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Your life. But Kyle, isn't that what the church is for? Isn't that what pastors and the church leaders are supposed to be doing? Yeah, kind of. But it's the great commission. It's not just like the the staff's mission, It is our mission together, our mission, all of ours. It's Mark, it's Roger, it's Gary, it's Andy and Phyllis. It's everybody. All of our mission together. And if we don't filter our lives through the great commission and the great commandment, what are we really doing? What are we really doing? These are the filters that we should be filtering every aspect of our lives through. You might be thinking to yourself now, okay, I realize what uh, we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to go into all of the world. We're supposed to make disciples. Now, how do I do that? How do I effectively do this? I'm glad you asked. Okay? Okay. So the good news is you were created on purpose and for a purpose. You were not created by happenstance or as an accident. God knew before you were even born. He knew the number of days that you would live and the number of hairs that you would have on your head. Some of us more than others. But he knew. And he has a very specific plan and purpose for your life. You were created on purpose for a purpose. And he has shaped each and every one of us uniquely. And as we've been talking about our discipleship path, SHAPE is an acronym, so be sure to write this down. This is how we can discover how God has uniquely created us, how he's given us spiritual gifts, the things that wake us up in the morning that gets our hearts pumping, the things that we are passionate about, our abilities, our personality, in our experiences, because God's not going to waste any drop of what he has already put in you. And so we're talking about the discipleship path here, and I'm personally excited about this, and I hope that you are excited to learn how God has uniquely gifted and created you. We're going to continue to talk about all of these things, but this is going to be a great tool for all of us to be able to discover how God has created us, how we can walk alongside you, and also find places and spaces where you can serve in your sweet spot because it's where your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, your experience, where all of those intersect. That is the sweet spot. That is where God desires for you to be and to be a part of what he has created you to do here on earth. So, Maybe you've been a follower of Christ for a while, but you have allowed obstacles like insecurities, doubt, lack of clarity, and fear to hold you back from living this life abundantly. You don't feel credentialed enough to go and share the good news. Well, let me tell you, throughout Scripture, God chose underdogs He chose misfits and people who were probably overlooked by society as a whole. I mean, you look at those disciples. They were all fishermen, basically. These are people who didn't excel in their jobs, and they were going to resort to fishing. But if he can use somebody like Moses, who had anger issues, to take his people out of Egypt and free them from slavery, guess what? He can use you. You know what I'm talking about. He can use you. If if God can use Saul, who later became Paul, as a catalyst for the entire New Testament, and we're talking about Saul, the Pharisee of Pharisees, we're talking like the guy who had the highest kill count for Christians, followers of Christ, if he can use Saul, he can use you. If he can use somebody like Esther, whose heart, passion, and desire to help speak up against injustice, use her voice to contribute to what God's plans were, he can use you, too. Maybe you're here today, and you're wondering, you know, I know God, but I I don't show God. What are the obstacles that are standing in your way? You know, if we think back to uh, the Jewish priest and the Levite or the temple assistant, is there something in the world that is holding you back from sharing the love of God? Are you living out of fear of man or are you living out of fear of the Lord? Are you going to allow the world to make you bend or are you gonna bear that weight of the, the word? I want to encourage you today, no matter where you might find yourself, whether you have no clue how God has uniquely created you, or if you already have an idea, but you're afraid to get started, surrender that to God today. Take the time as we uh, respond to take that to the Lord, because God would not waste anything that he has put into you. Now imagine, imagine what Our church would look like. One of the, the, my my favorite things that if I sit and reflect too long, I start to weep. But thinking about when Mark was here and he was sharing as he was candidating uh, the story of Matt, the lame man who needed to get in front of Jesus. And it took all four of these guys to grab their corner of their mat and to do their part to get this man in front of Jesus. That's the beautiful thing about what we do each and every week, is that it's not just one person, two people, 12 people, whatever. It is all of us collectively that help make worship happen. It's more than just pushing buttons in the back or caring for our kids upstairs or playing an instrument and singing. It is all of us together that help make that happen. You are a difference maker. You are a tile mover in somebody else's life. So if you're greeting somebody out there in the lobby, that smile, that handshake, the air high five, whatever it might be, that is making a difference in somebody's life and that is showing God's love to them. Now that's just within the walls of our church. Imagine what our community would look like. Imagine what that would look like. Huh. Kyle, you're wearing this free-to-run shirt. What does that mean? Well, you remember when we were uh, back in May, we hosted the run? We were able to raise nearly $10,000, including in-kind donations, to help impact the lives of those who are trying to seek care and comfort and resources from child human trafficking. And because of what you did, whether it was out there running, whether it was serving, whether you gave generously, you impacted their lives in a tremendous way, and because of them, and because of that collective effort, they get to experience the love of God in a very real way. We get to do the same thing with the Juntos run. We get to run together for people who have been impacted in different ways. We host all of these different uh, support groups within our church, and these are people who are coming in from the community, And we get to, just by the nature of having lights on and being a smiling face, we get to help them experience the love of God in a very real way. Imagine your neighbors knowing that you love God by the way that you live your life. By the way that you live your life, when you put walk to your talk, outside of the one hour of church that we experience, we have 167 other hours that we can take advantage of to help show the love of God to the world. So are you ready to become who God has created you to be, to use your gifts and your talents, to use them to expand God's kingdom here on earth? Are you ready for that? Because if you are, let's do this, okay? All right, I want to take a moment and I want to pray for us, so I want to invite Roger and the rest of the team to come forward and help lead us in worship. But I want to encourage you, bow your heads right now, And as we prepare to pray, whether it's in this place or in a living room somewhere else, if God is stirring in you to take that step of faith and to move beyond the fear and the doubt and the worry and the insecurity, I want to encourage you to raise your hand because I want to pray specifically for you. I want to lift up those needs that you may have and to pray for you. Thank you for that hand. Or you can even just look at me. I see that hand. I want to make sure that you get prayed for specifically for this. I see that hand. I see that hand. God, I pray for each person in this place who's feeling your spirit move in them to be able to to take that step of faith. I pray, God, that you would move obstacles away from them, that you would clear a a path for them to move forward and to realize the gifts that you have uh, bestowed to them, to help them understand how you have uniquely and purposefully created them, fearfully and wonderfully made in your image And God, that these obstacles, the fear, the lack of clarity, whatever it might be, God, meet them in that moment and help them to step into the promise that you have for them. And God, I pray for every single person in this place and online who can hear my voice, that we would be moved, that we would live as changed people, that we would not hoard your grace for ourselves, but give it away and to give it freely, just like you have given it to us as we think about the great commandment to love you with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. God, stir in us deep into the marrow of our bones and within every fiber of our being to be able to experience that, to be changed by that, and then to go and to love our neighbors in the same way that you have loved us. Help us, God, to be attentive to your spirit moving in our lives. Continue to remove obstacles and things that might be crowding in and trying to seek and destroy and kill and rob us of the ability to experience your life abundantly and to share that same life with others. God, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' holy and precious name that we pray. Amen.